Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't even know. <laughs> you're gonna know. It's really hard to just start the podcast. But you're so good at starting things. Remember? Am I? Yeah, you're really good at starting things. Oh well, thank you. Yeah. I feel like you're just saying that to get out of starting the podcast yourself. I am. But I'll I will take it and I know run you will. with it. <laughs> I'm Francesca. I'm Patrick. And this is last name basis from Brick Radio. So the new apartment saga continues and we got a new couch. We did. Would you like to talk a little bit about this um, monstrosity that you brought (laughs) to our apartment? Because it is, I mean, it's very comfortable, don't get me wrong, but this couch is Huge. It's gigantic. It's like 10 feet in each direction. It's one of those corner couches, and it has about 1,200 pillows, and you can fit like six people on it well, comfortably. What was so funny is that when Patrick got it home, he was like, why did I, <laughs> before he even <laughs> brought it in the house, once we like started logistically seeing how difficult it was going to be just to get it in the front door, thank goodness we only live on the second floor because we took it up the stairs because it would not fit in the elevator. And um, Pat was like, why did I do this? And I just looked, I don't know why you did this. <laughs> I don't But know. I don't regret it. I had, I had some regrets at that time because I was trying to move the couch up some stairs. Okay, but this is what I want to know. How long until the dogs destroy it? I give it about two weeks before it doesn't look like the same couch. So the couch is a light color. Our last couch was a dark gray. And it lasted for a bit. We had it for two years before the dogs, like, put a hole in it. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? So, like, that's not that bad. This The thing with this couch is it is a light tan, bra- like, brown tan color, but it's light. Lighter. It's right. not gray or black. Right. But this morning, the couch has been in our apartment for about a week, but today was the first day that it was, like, fully set up because... We had all these boxes, and we had our old couch still, and we just needed to kind of get all that stuff moved out. But this morning, it was like, you know when you see um, on those, like, crime shows when they show you the crime scene and you can see all the bloody footprints? Right, like, yeah. all over, the you know, the, the killer? That's what our couch looked like, but they were little paw prints. You could see that the dogs had walked <laughs> all over the couch while we were sleeping. They slept in the room, and then at some point they left the room, and they were like, let's walk all the and then fuck they were, over this couch. And then they were back by the time we woke up in the morning, so yeah. it's not to look suspicious. They were like, we, stay, we were here the whole time, and Pat was so angry, and all I wanted to say, <laughs> the only, and all I did say was, remember when you wanted a white couch? Patrick was dead set on us getting a white couch. And I was like, why? Why would you? It was going to look good. I had the couch chosen. It was it was a beautiful couch. This is the thing, though. I don't understand, like, this weird disconnect that you have between, like, decorating our living room and our reality. Like, what (laughs) what world do you live in that a white couch would ever, like, work in our apartment? Look, I didn't get a white couch. I ditched the white couch idea. You got a light tan couch. I got a tan couch, which which was a a happy middle ground. And the dogs are going to destroy it. They're going to destroy it no matter what. You know, I was really angling for like a denim couch because I thought it could be, we could get something dark. It doesn't matter. The dogs are going to tear through it no matter what. All I'm saying is that something darker could have looked nicer versus one that's going to get like dog prints all over. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. None of them end up looking nice. This is why we buy, we can't have nice things. Well, I'm I'm just saying to you that a darker colored couch would have made more sense, but you know what? I'm going to let you keep your ginormous. That's because it's too heavy for you to move it out of our apartment. I'm not lifting a thing. I mean, it's- You're stuck with it now. It's there. I mean, we have it. Well, we put the dogs in the bedroom to leave the apartment today. So, and it's a spacious bedroom. There's plenty of, you know, dirty laundry for them to lay in. They're probably in there (laughs) destroying something though. I mean, Phil got the vacuum and dragged it across the floor. It's a heavy vacuum. And he dragged that thing across the living room and chewed it up. I cannot believe that he did that. What's worse is that you assumed that I had done it. I thought you had vacuumed something and left it out. That made more sense. I didn't vacuum. That that was actually foolish. That should have been your first (laughs) clue. That was foolish. (laughs) Phil is actually more likely to vacuum than you are. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I should have I should have looked to him first. You're right. <laughs> but I feel like we're ignoring the elephant in the room. What's that? Which is why aren't we better dog owners? How hey, do we're you... great dog owners. Our we dogs just are have so one... poorly trained. No, 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 no. Excuse me. Kaya is a well-trained animal. It's Phil. <laughs> She's a lapdog. And lap I honestly, dog, I blame part of Phil on you. Why? That was because he was your responsibility. I got him for you <laughs> as a gift. I Since rem- when was he my responsibility? And I yours? got him for He's you. He's our dog. I know. But and likewise, I get no, credit no, 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 for no, no. Kaya so, being no, a so well-trained. You do not lap get, dog. Yeah. You don't oh, get absolutely. Any, no, you get I no get, credit for Kaya I get because at least I had that 70% dog. Seventy percent of the credit. I had Kaya before you and I like lived together. So in other words, she was a puppy in my sole custody. <laughs> I fought for her to get her from my awful ass roommate. You did not. I stood in the middle of the street and got into a fight with this girl in order to rescue Kaya from a life of drunken Instagram modeling debauchery. Well, there's no Instagram, MySpace modeling debauchery. MySpace, yeah. I raised that dog, not you. Phil yeah. was your responsibility, and you are the reason that he doesn't listen, that he chews up things, and that he has a bad attitude. And you're probably the reason that he has horrible gas. I blame you for all of those things. And if he destroys your couch and your vacuum cleaner, that's your fault. And your responsibility to take care of. Are you satisfied? Yes, I feel <laughs> I needed to get all of that off of our, my chest. I, why would you say that we have badly behaved dogs? Our we dogs have are, badly behaved dogs. They are not Our dogs bad. don't listen. They listen until we leave. Kaya listens. Why are you blaming all of this on Kaya? I take I'm this personally. I'm not blaming on Kaya. I'm okay, saying they listen, say... they listen until we leave. And then they do exactly. That's what all dogs do. They yeah. don't listen when you're not around. Look, if you're listening and you know how we can get our dogs to stay off our couch without having to train them better or generally be more involved dog parents, what please do you, tweet us. What do you, I, I don't, I just don't think that it's one of those things, unless we like, I don't know, get a little, one of those little collars that like gives them a little shock or something. Oh, I mean, I don't want to do it. I'm just saying, like, I don't know any way to keep them off the couch unless we get the dog whisperer. But I hear that he's an animal abuser. So I don't Seriously? Want... Yeah, I heard that. Oh, my God, wait. That's what he's whispering to them? <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> He's whispering threats. <laughs> He's whispering threats oh to these God. animals, Listen, and they fall right in line, though. Baby, Maybe this there's something is, to it. This is kind of related. So when I was in LA, one day I was like in bed watching TV because I was still on New York Times, so I was up super early, and I was watching Animal Planet, and they have a show called My Cat from Hell. Have you ever seen this <laughs> show before? No, why would I? Well, have first seen of all, this show? all cats are from hell, if you ask me. But the show is about people who have like really bad cats, and they mm-hmm. have this guy who comes in, and he like you know, helps them or whatever. I was in shock. I would never let some beast live in my house that just attacks me. The couple is like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like it was like it was. Are a, they they end up afraid of their cat and they, they work around the terrified. cat? Terrified. The cat's name was Larry and it was a girl, which I thought was so funny. They were like, yeah, you know. Larry is, she's really, really cute. And then they show like all the clips, like all of the, you know, like flashback clips. And they're like, hey, Larry. And Larry's like, (laughs) 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 and then like they would be standing there talking in the kitchen, like drinking their morning coffee. And Larry would just run in and like bite her leg, (laughs) like run out. Like she would just run in and attack them, just jump Full claws exposed, just latch onto the guy's back. And, like, he's like, ah, get off of me. It was terrifying. And then the cat would also spray all over the house because I guess they didn't fix it. And it was well, trying now to. I, now I feel like a really good dog owner. First of all, we have dogs. And dogs don't act like that because I'm sorry. If you're going to have an animal that's going to poop in your house, okay, and I have to pick up and clean up after you and I have to feed you. Like, how dare you bite me when I come home? You need to worship me. I need an animal. I feel like this is this is a mom talk. This is exactly what moms say to their you kids. You're going to live in my house? You're going to live in my house. You're not going to bite me. <laughs> okay? You stop biting me. Get it together and get a job. Stop no, shitting on the floor. No, listen. Here's I don't understand how there's enough people in this world to make an entire TV show about cats that attack their owners, and the owners are like, we've had her for three years. I'm like, you've been dealing with this for three years? I could not. It's life-changing, though. I could not 
believe it. This is where the dog whisperer has, this is, this is his history. He used to be one of those guys, but now he's like, you know what? I'm going to abuse first. And this way, <laughs> no animal is going to take advantage of me again. Oh, my God. Well, I thought the dog whisperer was more about dogs that misbehaved, not right. dogs that, like, attacked. Not evil dogs from not, hell. Right. Not ones from hell. Right. Yeah. Why would you have one of those in your home? Uh, you know what? Probably was they couldn't catch it to get it out. Because cats, they, they're like, <laughs> they're slippery. you are not going to touch me. <laughs> we also have, in the world of new things, I got Patrick a coat for Christmas. And, I mean, it's a pretty nice coat and a wonderful Christmas present. And I just thought, <laughs> This is the whole point not? of this. You brought this up to just pat yourself on the back. Yeah. I mean, I want to, okay. first of all, it's a great <laughs> present, and I'm really glad that I got it for you. But it I is. Just it's, feel a, like, it's a gorgeous coat. I it's, feel like you should just talk a little bit about how this coat. About has, how much I appreciate you and this and this coat mm-hmm, that you got me. Mm-hmm, and how warm you are and how it's changed your life. Yeah, and how I am prior warm. to this, you didn't know how to dress for winter. And you are always a mess. In addition to looking like a pile of leaves, you are a cold pile of leaves. And I just felt like we should tell the um, audience about it. Okay, fine. I, I, it was an, it's an amazing coat. It's a Michael Kors coat. Mm-hmm. I went into the Michael Kors store. No, but wait. What was your life like before? <laughs> what was it like before? <laughs> Constantly being attacked by our dogs. No. Um, it you was, wore a leather coat. Our first year here, Patrick wore a leather coat all through winter. Oh, that was better than what I was working with originally. What were you wearing? I had like a, I don't know, flannel jacket or something like that. Before I had basically the a sweater. Jacket? Yeah. Oh, I just yeah. remember the leather jacket. And I remember. And it was 10 degrees why? and I was tromping around in the snow and I was just, I was feeling the cold. Yeah, it was bad. But it didn't stop me. I mean, I got from point A to point B. I dealt with the weather. I still think that that is some white people shit because I don't understand. <laughs> Anytime I see people that are no, inappropriately that's not true. dressed. That's not true. I saw a black guy the other day. And what was he wearing? Wearing shorts and sandals and a coat just like me. Voluntarily? Yeah. yeah. He, he was just hanging out outside just like I do. It just, I'm going to need to see it, it for myself. Yeah, it blew your generalizations I've never, wide open. The only times I've ever seen people underdressed for the weather, they are white. And I <laughs> genuinely believe, I went to Wyoming and I saw people walking around in like tank tops and it was freezing outside. And That's because A, it's Wyoming, and B, there are only white people in Wyoming. No, there are some people of color, maybe 10. <laughs> <laughs> There was maybe they were all at my talk. <laughs> they were all they were all well dressed. They were all dressed in, they were in all, long pants. They were all parkas. Yes, they all had coats on. But what I'm saying to you is, I don't see anybody else doing that. And so, you know, when you did it, I thought, huh, okay, it's official. My husband is a certified white. We we weren't married yet, <laughs> but um, there was also the time where I bought you a hat. Do you remember this? Yes, yes. Bought... You're responsible for all my warmth. It's <laughs> it is true. It is true. I bought Patrick a hat and he was like, Wow, my ears are so warm. <laughs> I was like, I can feel my ears again. I was like, babe, that's why people wear hats in the winter. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Look, look, you have to know that I'm. I, if I'm in one state, I will maintain that state no matter how difficult for as long as Why? possible. Why? Why are you like I don't know. That? I just, everyone in my family is the same way. Really? It's like, if this is the way things are, we will stick it out. And it's a good trait sometimes because it makes us tough in some ways. But in other ways, it makes us pretty, pretty dumb. So now you have a down coat, which... I recommend everyone get, and I will tell myself here, this was my first year investing in a nice down coat. I had one before, but it was kind of like a sleeping bag. It was just like shapeless. (laughs) You looked like a snowman. It was awful. It was warm, but it was just ugly. And so I decided I wanted to look cute more than I wanted to be warm. So I kind of suffered through some like subpar coats in the past. But then when I got this down coat, I realized that I was doing it all wrong. And then I was on a mission to get Patrick a down coat because once you have one <laughs> because once Fran has something that she loves everyone else has to have I'm like it's Oprah great. I'm like ever <laughs> like my favorite things I'm like everyone needs a down coat everywhere I go people are like I love that coat I'm like I know and it's really warm and you should get one why aren't you wearing a nice coat right now <laughs> It's amazing yeah it it really did change my life it's it's like not being outside at all anymore I know well So I'm, thank you you did it I appreciate you You're welcome You're the best do you want to talk about how you called me or you texted me like right after you wore? <laughs> oh, you left the store. <laughs> what 
I say? You were just like, whoa, I'm so warm. <laughs> it was good. It's a good, look, it's a good coat. Oh, oh, this is, this is the, okay. So Popeye's has new chicken tenders, right? <laughs> with some They're waffle. waffle. They are waffle tenders. Well, chicken and waffles is a thing. Right. And so it is a regular tender, but the outside has like a waffle crust. So it's breaded in waffle. In waffle, yes. And so Fran had to have this. Seeing I saw it, a commercial. Seeing it on television. I saw a commercial. It really spoke to me, and I just thought, I have to have it. And there's a Popeye's <laughs> in our new neighborhood. And I thought, Basically across better? the street from us. Exactly. Like, it is a sign that I need oh, that to was, try them. It was so funny. We went in there. Fran doesn't see it on the menu. She orders regular chicken wings. The next person comes up and is like, can I have the waffle fingers? And they're like, boom, popping out waffle fingers. Everybody else in line behind us ordered that. You got stuck with regular chicken fingers. Well, here's what I don't understand. How are you going to make a commercial for waffle fingers and then not have them on the menu? There's like a secret Popeye's menu? There really is. Because people were ordering all sorts of stuff that wasn't on there. People were ordering honey mustard. There's no honey mustard listed on the menu. Here I am getting Mardi Gras mustard when I could have been having honey mustard this entire time. I I didn't know. I just thought the biggest fail ever. You were so pissed at me after that that you were giving me shit for like nothing at all. No, on I the was street. giving you shit for things that you rightfully deserve. Okay, shit maybe, for. but the reason that you were giving me a hard time was because you <laughs> it was were deprived by the fact of that waffle I wanted chicken those fingers. Waffle chicken fingers, and now because I'm trying to you know get back on my grind because I've been off the wagon for far too long. I can't even have Popeyes again. So for now you're a back while. on a diet. So I'm you're... really trying to you know tighten up my diet again. And you missed so the window for the waffle I could fingers. Have, I could have had them yesterday, and now I didn't get to have them. <laughs> All because they didn't even put them on them. They could have put a sticky note on the register, perhaps, or maybe when you come to the register, they could say, hey, have you heard about the new waffle fries? And then I would have said, actually, I have. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here because I heard about the waffle fries, and I wanted to try yeah, so them actually, for myself. Actually, I saw your commercial. Exactly. Oh, man. Ugh. That's- that made me so mad. Well, that was a riveting story, Patrick. Sorry. I just, I'm sorry. Thank I can for, cut that out. It's okay. Whatever. I think it's funny. So one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, is uh, it's just like the political climate right now is so wacky. It's like it really feels like we are living in the upside down. Like every day some news comes out and I just think to myself, how is this real? How is it? Yeah, absolutely. How how is this continuing? Um, There's just so many lies being put out by the Trump administration. That's the thing. It's become so confused at this point. It's really hard to get your bearings. It's so difficult. And it's just I feel like we are I know we are being bombarded with all of these different stories, with all these different executive orders so that we'll get burnt out. And unfortunately, it's creating this environment of hostility between liberal folks and conservative folks, which, you know, a lot of it is to be expected and and warranted. Like, I'm angry. And has been know? going on since well before the election. Oh, or, absolutely. Well, during but the it, election, but well before feels, the actual. It feels like it's just gotten really, really bad. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, just in terms of... It's felt like it's been getting worse for a long time, and that trend is continuing, in my opinion. Well, here's my question for you, and that's kind of prompted some of the um, articles that we've been reading and we want to talk about today on the podcast, is what do we do to move forward? Because, you know, the midterm election will be here before you know it, and I think it's like 323 seats are up for re-election. So a lot can happen um, during that election, and we kind of need a lot of people to get their shit together so that they can actually help us put the right people in place. Right. And how are we going to do that if we're just like screaming at each other all the time? Like I don't. Right. I don't there has know. to be some consensus. The the wider the gap gets between uh, polarized viewpoints, the less likely we are to accomplish anything. I agree. Well, I read this article from Slate Magazine, but I thought it brought up some interesting points. The article is called, It's Time to Give Up on Facts or at Least Temporarily Lay Them Down in Favor of a More Useful Weapon, Emotions. Um, And I thought it brought up some interesting points. It basically was saying that 
debunking these lies is not the way to reach people that believe the lies. Because as soon as you, I mean, you've seen this already. People just say like, oh, that's fake news. Or they just make up other lies, you know, like the Bowling Green Massacre. Or, or they just shut it out. Or alternative facts. Or, you know, they just say things that are not true. And then as soon as you right. bring up to them like, no, here is the actual truth, they don't want to believe it. Right. And so this article is suggesting that instead of, you know, using fact-based logic, we have to actually try to figure out why people believe these lies and use that in order to kind of it's like changing the strategy of the way that you talk to people. You know what I'm saying? Like so that you're you are challenging them, but instead of just telling them that they're wrong, it's kind of like asking them why they think that for example like do the things that they believe make them feel safe or do they make them feel moral or does it make them feel superior to someone else which i i genuinely believe that that's at the root of a lot of this stuff you know with like the muslim band or or the um you know the wanting to build a wall to keep immigrants out from mexico it's like this idea of feeling better than somebody Mm -hmm. is what is driving them to believe these lies And, you know, kind of really pushing people on, okay, well, if you think this, how is the solution, you know, for example, the Muslim ban or the wall, like, is that actually going to work? It's kind of feels like really asking questions and giving people the space to express themselves. And maybe through that, they'll understand how, like, illogical what they're saying actually sounds sure it's i don't kind know of the, it's the socratic method is is what you've described oh, that's what that's right? called yeah it's basically asking questions of someone and what socrates allegedly did was just ask questions of the you know the the intelligent and enlightened individuals of the day mm-hmm. until they couldn't answer the questions anymore so you know if you were somebody who believed that the muslim band was a good thing you might ask okay so what is it that that you think is going to happen well, why or why do you think that we need to ban Muslims. Right. Eventually, you're going you're going to find, or the idea is that they'll find that they don't have any more answers. Right. So you follow the answer to that question up with another question, right. and you just keep pushing them until finally they realize, look, I don't really have a good answer. It's like when a kid goes, "Why, why, mm-hmm. why?" to the to the parent until the parents eventually like, "That's just kind of the way it is," <clears> because <throat> I don't have an answer to all these questions. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I do think that that can work. I think what's really challenging. With this is that it it feels like, once again, it becomes our job to coddle people. And what we've seen with this election is that people voted against their own best interest, and they voted for things that are going to have serious consequences for innocent people. You know, like with the, the Muslim ban, we've seen people who had green cards, who are here legally, or who had gone through years trying to get here legally, being turned away at the airport. You know, and I was reading this Facebook post by a guy who's Muslim and was getting ready to get on his plane and the police stopped him and they like held him for four hours. They demanded he open his phone and go through all the social media accounts. Like I'm reading that this is happening a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And this is what people voted for. Like there are real consequences. And wasn't there a recent story about a family that had spent everything that they have here in the United States to bring their family oh, wait, over from the Donald Trump supporters, those right. people. Right. Yeah, oh, the God. ones that had voted for Donald Trump and then when it worked against them and their family members coming here and now I guess suddenly they were detained they at want... the airport at the moment that the Yeah, that their the family was... they had spent like thirteen years trying to get their family to come here. Mm-hmm. And on the day that they were here, like when they got to the airport was when the ban was enacted. And they were turned away, right? And they were turned away and had to go back. And they had spent all of their money, all of their savings to move them here. And the family was shocked as if to say, we didn't think think it was going to be us. Right. But here's what I'm saying is that talking to those people, like my heart starts like pounding just thinking about them and thinking about how stupid they were. That part of me is like, why why do I now have to put that aside so that I can like talk to them and hold their freaking hand to help them get ready for the midterm elections so that they could understand that the legislators that they voted for in the 2016 election are the reason that their family members were not able to come here. Right. That they voted for Donald Trump and that this is what they got. And so now, you know, most people don't vote in the midterm election. They just they just don't care. They don't right. they don't know enough. And we need to get them on board. 
But I'm like, but at the same time, them. you also right. <laughs> but you're also, it's not easy to do that, especially no. especially when you're dealing. I mean, talking to that family might be easier because I'm sure they're at a point right now where they're seeing the effects very clearly on them. But talking to somebody else who hasn't felt those effects is very difficult well, and that's because the those other people thing still too. very much seem to believe that there's going to be a positive outcome right. from the Trump well, the Trump cabinet and the Trump campaign. There are tons of people. You know, right now what we're seeing happening is a lot of people like being deported. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really sad because these people are, you know, for example, following school buses to see parents picking up their kids. And like that's how they're being able to find people who are normally, you know, being a little bit more cautious because they know that they are undocumented. And so they are really doing things to break up families. Meanwhile, Trump supporters are like, yeah, that's what I want. I want that to happen. And they're having it's almost impossible to explain to them, well, these are real people. And the reasons that people are undocumented in this country are usually because it's really freaking hard to become an American citizen. The path to citizenship is expensive. It's really long, Mm -hmm. especially for, you know, people from Mexico, people that don't speak English as their first language or, um, you know, people who are not white passing, you know, like right. the, we are not cracking down on immigrants from anywhere else but Mexico. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just feels heavy handed and racist, you know. And sure. so sure. It, how do you explain to people who think this is a good idea and think, you know, oh, well, they're bringing crime and they are, you know, a danger to society. Like, how do you explain to them that that's actually not the truth? Especially when, and this flies in the face of what this Slate article is suggesting, right? It says that you should Especially when that. you're saying, you know, those the facts that make up your belief system are not are not good facts. Yeah, no, there's studies that's have not shown. Good information. So how do you debunk a position that's based on? According to this article, you're not supposed to debunk. But how do you? I, I get that you that the emotional appeal is almost always stronger than the logical appeal. Right. right. So the, the, the mind follows the heart. I completely believe that because if people have a strong emotional feeling about something, then they're going to follow that. And it's really, really hard to convince them otherwise. I don't understand how you can, with emotional appeal, get these people to change their minds. Well, here's the thing, too, is that it's a double edged sword, because what I've heard and what I've seen so often is that if you use facts, you become an elitist. And if you use emotion, you're called a snowflake. So, you know, right. what is it? How am <laughs> right. I am, how am I supposed right. to Those are the like the typical like tree huggers, right? Yeah, you're a big baby and you cry about everything mm-hmm. and you make a big de- and it's to me the snowflake thing is so frustrating especially because I mean, look at what happened with the Super Bowl. There was an advertisement that was about immigrants for Budweiser and suddenly conservatives were like, "Boycott Budweiser." And it's like, "Why? Because they right. did an ad that was about why immigrants helped make this country great. I mean, and it was a guy who, you know, came to this country and then decided to start Budweiser. And it was supposed to be a story of, look, immigrants are bringing something to this country that you now love. And without them, like our country and our history wouldn't be as rich. (laughs) You wouldn't have your beer. Well, and then they're like, now I'm not going to have my beer. I'm going to boycott. And it's like, well, who's the snowflake? You know what I mean? Right. Like, And now they're upset about, you know, Nordstrom dropping Ivanka's ugly-ass clothing line. And it's like, you are calling us snowflakes because we are trying to stand up for what we believe in and, and advocate for people that we think are being mistreated and, and taken advantage of and and – you know, are not getting the chance to live the quote-unquote American dream. Right. And it's interesting, though, when when that gap widens so much, both sides can do the exact same thing Mm -hmm. and then blame the other side for doing that thing. Well, yeah. There are boycotts happening on both sides. And I'm sure people, you know, when when people were boycotting Uber because I guess the president or somebody was working with Trump. And I'm sure there are people who were saying, oh, how dare you guys boycott Uber And I think, again, if you want to boycott, go for it. I just, the idea of labeling someone as a quote-unquote snowflake because 
they feel passionate about something. Well, that's a, that's just a way to other somebody, right? right? That's just a way to say, okay, we're not, you're different from me, and so I can discount you mm-hmm. quickly and and easily. But why do you think that that happens? But, but it, like you, I mean, we were talking about this before. That happens on both sides of this coin now because that division has become so significant, mm-hmm. and it really has. I mean, I was I've read a few things that have have studied this political phenomenon recently, and they've all come to the same conclusion, and that's that that perceived divide that you see on Twitter on Facebook, uh, out in the world, in the news, that's real. That mm-hmm. seems to be, there's a lot of support for it. It's not just what we see or how we see it. Um, but as far as bridging that gap and how to how to, sort of, how to create a consensus among those two groups, I get where Slate's coming from and saying that we need to do whatever's necessary in order yeah. to pull people I don't, back I, to I'm center. Like, I'm like halfway there on the Slate thing. But it's, but it's really hard to do that, I think, when it's so appalling what we've seemed to have seemed to have accomplished. Yeah, this isn't about like, do you like guacamole on your freaking you know burrito? This is not like a like a difference of like taste. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. it's life and death for a lot of people, which makes it a lot harder. Right. And the other thing is too, and I I, I hear, and this goes, this works well with what you were saying, uh, or what the Slate article was saying. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of talk about the different values amongst mm-hmm. liberals and conservatives. So, As a way for us to kind of figure out how to talk to each other? As a way to speak to each other emotionally and based on our, our inherent values, the things that we think are most important, as opposed to dealing with the nitty-gritty of all the facts mm-hmm. or whether or not this news article is accurate, things so like that. So what do you have to keep in mind in order to talk to a conservative person about whatever their Well, apparently, and this, this was actually in a recent TED beliefs. Talk by a guy named Rob Willer, and he said, and I've heard this from not just him, but from another, actually a few sources, they say that conservative values tend to include loyalty, patriotism, respect for authority, and moral purity, whereas liberal values tend to be things like equality, fairness, things of that Standing nature. Standing up for the underdog. Right. Yeah. Right. I've seen this from a number of sources, and what, what Rob Willer was suggesting, kind of like the Slate article was suggesting, is that we need to speak to people in terms of those moral values like meet people where they're at meet people where they're at right so if you're instead of talking to a conservative and saying hey don't you care about the rainforest don't you care about the trees what about this guy he's having a hard time it's just Mm -hmm. not fair to him maybe pitching it in terms of the sense that it's your patriotic duty to take care of the little guy as long as they're here on our soil or Mm -hmm. they're a citizen or whatever whatever will speak to them and they actually did some research and found that when they when a conservative read an essay Uh, And it was cast in terms of moral purity, for instance, more progressive policies concerning environmental protection. Uh, They found that they were more responsive to that than if they read something that was framed in those, quote unquote, liberal ideologies. Well, it just sounds like you have to try and make an issue applicable to whoever your audience is. Here's the thing that gets me about this. I understand that. I understand those differences. That makes sense to me. But these things, and they've been touted as conservative ideologies uh, by, an, uh, like I said, a number of different sources have said that. It's not, just, it's not just Rob Willer and his team. Those things are empty without a goal in mind. So you can be a patriot, but what do you, I mean, if your country isn't a good country or your country well, yeah. isn't doing the right and, thing. And the patriotism thing is so stupid because, you know, people have this idea like America's the best, but they're coming up with that idea based on like a watered down whitewashed version of our nation's history. So like they have all this pride in America, but without actually wanting to acknowledge like any of the negative things America has done. They're like, we love America, but like let's pretend slavery didn't happen and let's pretend the civil rights movement didn't happen and let's pretend we didn't like try to kill all the Native Americans. Like let's just act like we've always been the best and we're great and without flaws. It's like, okay, then how is that a value? Right. <laughs> like, and the same thing for these other values, loyalty. I mean, what are you loyal to? It, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're loyal to somebody who's going to destroy your country, right. then what good is that loyalty? What good is respect for authority if the authority is going to take advantage of the people they have power over? Right. And, None and of that also, makes any sense. And not to mention the fact it's easy to have respect for authority if you are a part of a group that has never had to deal with authority in a way that was unfair. You know, whether it's That's you know, a really good racial point. profiling or like excessive police force, like all of those things that like especially affect communities of color and you know we are seeing that now with what's happening around undocumented immigrants and their interactions with the police and you know the numbers of indigenous people that have had you know negative dealings
dealings with the police and have ended up dead. Same with, you know, police profiling and stop and frisk in brown communities. Like, yes, our experiences with the police are going to be very freaking different from like upper middle class white neighborhoods, you know, like those people, it's easy to respect authority. Right, right, right. You can respect an authority that doesn't doesn't abuse its authority over you. Exactly. Right. Right. And and the same thing is true with this patriotism. I mean, I I look at this and I think, well, if patriotism is is a core value for you, then why not be patriotic and say, hey, there are American citizens or other people on our soil that are being treated unfairly. They don't care. That would seem patriotic to me. Well, and to me, it's also strange that patriotism specifically feels like an oxymoron in the sense that, like, Donald Trump's whole campaign was make America great again. So that inherently says that America needs to be better. So, like, how are you a patriot when you are inherently criticizing America, but then you don't want (laughs) anyone, but then you don't want anyone to criticize America? Like, if you protest, it's like, no, 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 no. You should be happy to be here. You're lucky. At the same time, I want to make this country greater because it's not that great right now. Like, which one is it? You know, it can't be both. Right, right. Plus that plus a lot of the patriotism that we're seeing from conservative individuals is based on othering and saying, "Okay, we're we're better because we're not them. Oh, absolutely. Um, And that there are tears to that. There's there's the U.S. versus other countries. And then within the U.S., there's, you know, a a white majority that looks at other people and says, you know, we're, you know, the white patriarchy. It protects itself. Yeah. I mean, I do think, I don't know, I do think that there is something to be said for trying to figure out how to talk to people in a way that they can understand. And it's really challenging. We had two possible solutions and we, we just we just chat all over them. I didn't shit all over them. I think that there's something to be said for it, but I think it's easier said than done. And I think that is Rob Willer a white guy? Do you, yeah. Did you watch his? Okay. So this guy's a white guy. The person who wrote the Slate article is also white. And not to discredit their proposed solutions, but I think it's a lot easier for them to say, like, hey, let's talk to Trump supporters. These largely white people who voted for these policies that are going to have huge consequences for people of color, LGBTQ folks, marginalized people in this country – to like talk to them nicely so that they can understand. It's like, yeah, I feel like we've always been given this task. Like, hey, can, right. you do, can we have some rights? Like, uh, I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it does. It it has it has a similar feel to when uh, uh, like the white community asks people of color to treat them more respectfully or be nicer or, or to us, be kind when you say it's tone policing yeah, in it's a big ex- way. Explain to us why like. All Lives Matter is bad versus Black Lives Matter. Like, just explain it to me nicely. It's like, okay, or, you know, a straight person being like, well, explain to me why, you know, two men being in a relationship is something that I should be okay with. Explain it to me. Which kind of feels like just another expression of you need to deal with it. Or you need to convince me that your humanity is worth you know, all of this fight and that in order for me to join you and believe that you deserve equal rights or you deserve to be seen as a full human being or you deserve the ability to live a happy, full and productive life with whoever you want, you know, with whatever religion that you would like to practice. Right. You know, like despite being an American citizen and despite my alleged patriotism. You need to explain to me why you deserve all of those things. And you need to do it nicely. And you can't call me a bigot and you can't call me an idiot when I bring up things that are not true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I have the ability to Vote people into office who could lead to people that you love being kicked out of our country or worse, being killed because they can't get into our country or being killed by police officers and having, you know, no justice for it. And you have to be nice to me in order to explain this to me. Yeah, it it seems like an unworkable task. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I like the idea, like you were saying, of trying to meet people where they're at. I'm good for it. But um, at some point, when do you say, uh, you know, it's just it's just too much. On the other hand, we need these people. Yeah, because there are just too many of them. It's not like you can say, okay, there's, you know, 10 percent of the population feels this way. So we can just we can just ignore them and move forward without them. Well, I think I think the caveat to this idea of meeting people where they're at is that people need to call in members of their own community. You know, and what we're seeing, especially with what happened in this election, there's been a lot of talk about 
you know, 50 something percent of white women voted for Donald Trump. Right. And there are a lot of people talking about that number. But as a black woman, I don't feel like it should be my job to hold the hands of these like white women that voted for Donald Trump and were okay with his sexism, were okay with his racism. And now I have to like explain to them why they are in the wrong. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the responsibility of their white family members, their white friends to do that. In the same way that as a straight person, I think it's my responsibility to call in and call out other straight people when they say harmful things about LGBTQ folks because those people are tired of doing it. And so right. the least I can do is like step out of my comfort zone and say, okay, look, let me try and meet you where you're at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the screaming and yelling, while totally justified, I just don't think it's working. Like I think the resistance in general is working. Like people are calling their senators and, mm -hmm. you know, I think all of that stuff is really important and it is working. But like we need like a multi-prong approach. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. So, yeah, one of the things that I've been encouraging people to do, I don't know if um, we talked about that Countable app. There's also a really great site called fivecalls.org, um, and it really walks you through how to call your representative, and it even gives you a little script. Um, a few people reached out to me and were saying that they're really nervous about talking on the phone, and I realize that some people aren't really good at that. Nowadays, we mm -hmm. do so much texting, like you kind of don't have to talk to people that you don't know on the phone. Sure. Um, and so it gives you five calls a day, and it really gives you a little script um, and tells you, you know, some little talking points based on the issues that are most important to you. Um, and it seems to be really making, you know, there's a lot of work to still be done, but I've heard a lot of positive things from people using this site, um, mm -hmm. and I just signed up for it. And it, it texts you as well to, like, remind you, which is really nice. So, yeah, I definitely think that that's one thing to do. But also, like you were saying, having these conversations with people. It's not easy. <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. It's not it doesn't matter how close you are to the person. It's a flashpoint. Well, I think and it creates... being close to them is probably makes it harder. Right. Right. But also, you know, if it's a complete stranger, it's harder to approach. It's harder to be aware of those situations in which you can you can change their minds or teach them or, um, you know, most of them are just are just nameless people to you. Yeah. They're just strangers in a crowd. The fact that these so, conversations are happening online, I think, are really bad, too. I love the internet, but, like, right. the, the internet is the worst place to have these conversations. It's just, like, caps lock. Like, <laughs> the minute yeah. that happens, yeah. it's like, forget about yeah, it. Yeah, it's not the best medium for uh, for serious conversations, especially ones that are highly controversial. Well, and not ones with people that you don't see eye to eye with. It's different right. if you guys both agree, but if you are on opposite sides of the issue, you lack body language and all the nuance you can't tell that somebody is actually being patient with you or they're being sarcastic right. or you know or they're trying to be self-deprecating or whatever it is like all of that gets lost in translation mm -hmm. so um we're definitely curious to hear how you all feel about it because this is something that we are grappling with but we also want to encourage you to um you know don't beat yourself up and be too hard on yourself you know there's a lot going on in the world and we're not going to fix it overnight. We got a long way to go. <laughs> so we can't get burnt out. Right? <laughs> it hasn't been very long. I know. I'm really talking to myself. We're already, yeah, this isn't we're about already you. warning against burning out. <laughs> uh, we just got here. I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess there's a benefit to even if we don't figure out the solution in this conversation, maybe just talking about it is worthwhile because it just gets us in that headspace. Like we were saying, we have to do something. Yeah. I mean, even if it's a not ideal situation then, I mean, we, it's still ours to work with. And it's not going to fix itself. Right. So it's up to us. All right, let's do some listener letters. Yeah. If you want to contact us with your letters, you can write us at lmbpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we apologize in advance for those of you that we won't get to. We get a lot of letters, and we don't have a lot of time to answer them on the show. But we're going to be going through our mailbox and just personally answering some messages because some people have reached out and said that they would not like their letter read on the show, but they still would like our advice, which mm -hmm. is very sweet and very flattering. All right, so this week we are going to do more than one letter because we are ambitious AF up in this podcast. Um, so our first letter comes from Jasmine. 
She says, if I remember correctly, you two have been together for almost 10 years. What's your meeting story? How did the love story of Fran and Patrick begin? The second part of this question is, you're both really silly and goofy with each other. Has it always been this way? How do you keep such joy and lightheartedness in a relationship (laughs) where you both probably know almost everything about the other person? Have there ever been any low points? Do you ever get tired of making the same old jokes? (laughs) That's a a little light shade. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit there. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I'll answer that part of the question, no. The answer is no. We have been making some of the same dumb jokes for 10 years. And then sometimes they go in and out where we we say them a lot and then we don't say them that much. And then one day something reminds me and I say, oh my God, I remember how we used to always right. sing Tell Me Something Good when we had nothing to talk about. And then we we would just be like, tell me something good. And, yeah. then, and then we remember that we hadn't done that in years and then we do it a bunch. We have um, jokes. We have jokes that are actually ten years old. Yeah, no, and we, we know, and we recycle them pretty consistently. I know, it's but amazing. It's fun though. It's kind of like when you're on Twitter and there's a joke that everyone's jumping in on, and then everyone just like adds to it, and it keeps kind of like spiraling and growing. That's kind of how I feel about jokes in a ten year plus relationship. Like, the joke had one iteration a few years ago, and now it has a different iteration right, right. because something else something else happens, and we add something to it or. Yeah, there's always something new that happens in our relationship that reminds us of something old. So the jokes are old, but we kind of like breathe new life into them, right? Yeah, we try to keep them around. Yeah. You know, because we can't, because we know each other so well, we just can't come up with new material anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so do you want to talk about how we met? Uh, yeah, we went to the same high school in South Florida, mm-hmm. and we had similar friends. But we, we had, didn't date in high school. But we didn't date. We didn't really even know each other very well. Uh, according to one friend, after we were engaged, I, I commented on how beautiful I thought you were in mm-hmm. high school in oh, passing. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, pretty impressive. Well, I remember when I was in eighth grade, and because our school was a middle to high school, um, and Pat's two years older than me. So I was in eighth grade, and I went to a party at Becky's house. And I remember it was the first time I'd ever drank alcohol. Sorry, Mom, if you're listening. There are kids listening to this. They're well, going to think that it's okay It's not okay. eighth grade. It's not okay. Learn They've from my already mistake. done it. They don't care. Um, I just remember <laughs> that I was at this party, and there was, like, this guy that I thought was so cute. And I drank alcohol, and I got really sick. And I was throwing up, and everybody was like, ew, why is that eighth grader here? Like, that girl's a loser. <laughs> and I was sitting outside. And, and we I, were in what, 10th grade? You were in 10th grade. Yeah. I was in eighth grade. And I was, like, sick. And I remember I was, like, sitting outside, and you I, – I don't think you were smoking a cigarette, but you were outside, too. No. I just – we were outside. <laughs> right. And I remember you being like, are you okay? And I was like, ooh, I'm sick. Gross. <laughs> and you were like, it's okay, kid, or, like, something like that. Maybe it wasn't that. <laughs> I hope I didn't say that. <laughs> God, that's lame. You said something to the effect of like, uh, you know, it happens to the, the best of us. You know what I mean? Like, you, sometimes you get sick at a party. And I remember the being like. Tenth grade alcoholic is what I sound like. <laughs> you were like. Happens once a week at least. You were like, I'm not legal either. And I've been shit faced. Um, no, but I remember thinking that it was really nice of you. And then cut to, God, that was eighth grade. So I was in college. You had just graduated from college. I was still in school, and we ran into each other at a party at a friend's house. And um, it was Thanksgiving time, so I was having a birthday party, and I remember I thought you were dating some girl that we were with that had a bunch of eyeball tattoos. I don't remember her (laughs) name, but she had eyes tattooed all over her body, which were very strange. Um, I thought Pat was into her or dating her, so I think that maybe that, like, had my guard down, and we were joking around more, and we were – like just being sarcastic similarly to how we are now right really going back and forth really he was really like busting my chops which i thought was like really attractive and then he like walked me to my car i I invited you to my birthday party which you didn't come should have been my first red flag (laughs) (laughs) too Um, late now i know i'm stuck with you (laughs) um and yeah so instead you came to my new year's party so we stayed in touch basically like we we texted a bunch Mm -hmm. um and then you came to my New Year's party. We had our first kiss on New Year's. No, did we? Yeah. Yeah. And then we, yeah. Um, and then we started dating shortly after. So we knew each other, but it was kind of like we re-met each other. Right. I knew of you. 
Right. Um, and, then, and, that, and let this be a lesson. You never know how being nice to somebody is going in to eighth grade. come back to yes. work in your favor. Well, and to I your... mean, <laughs> how much did that, were you, when you saw me when we were older and we were young adults I wasn't at like, point, <gasps> were you oh like, God. that's the guy, that's the guy no, that was so nice to me? I wasn't. I, I no, think it was later was on bad. when we... <laughs> <laughs> I just sold everybody on this. So. Sorry, sorry. No, be nice to everyone. You never know. You might marry them. Um, no, I, I think it was later on that I was remembering the story or I don't know, something happened that reminded me of, of that interaction. Um, but on the, on the topic of have we always been goofy and silly with each other? Yes, from day one. And that was the thing that really attracted me to Pat because he was one of the first guys that I had met that I felt could really keep up with my um, sense of humor and didn't like let anything go. Like if I said something that was dumb or wasn't funny, like he would tell me like straight out. He'd be like, that was a dumb joke. Or, that wasn't funny. <laughs> or he just he was just like so brutally honest with me. We definitely keep each other in line when it comes to bad Yeah, jokes. you keep it real. And I and I <laughs> I really liked that about you, especially because I had had so many previous interactions with guys where I felt like they were intimidated by my sense of humor or mm -hmm. intimidated by my intelligence or we would get along really well and we would have these great conversations and interactions and I would think like okay maybe this guy's really into me like we'll probably start dating and then they would end up with these like duds with these girls that had no personality and I was always so frustrated it felt like every guy that I was interested in didn't want a girl who could actually keep up with them intellectually and just like had actual thoughts yeah yeah I, some of them i think feel threatened absolutely so, and so it was nice their loss it was nice to meet a guy who wasn't like that and that really um made me attracted to you so yeah it's always been that way you're welcome thank you <laughs> <laughs> our next listener letter comes from deles which is a name that i really like but i feel like i might not have said it correctly but well, it's, it's it's, it's a possible. great name, and I think it's really pretty. Her message says, I'm planning to start a podcast and a vlog sometime this year with my hubby. I've been thinking about this for years, but I finally decided to get out of my own way and just go for it. So I wanted to pick your brains about the equipment you use when you record at home. Francesca, if you could tell me what you use to edit your videos or even the cameras you use, that would be awesome. In regards to podcast recording and editing equipment, I have no experience, so helpful tips Patrick could offer would be greatly appreciated. Keep being hilariously thought-provoking and giving me all the feels. I look forward to sharing your show in the future. Take care. That was super nice. I also cut out the part where she said that she liked me more than you because I thought that, that might make you uncomfortable. What, are you serious? Um, yes. She didn't really say that. I don't see it here. I cut it. I'm just telling you I cut it out. Why would she say that? Now I'm because giving you bad tips true. for your podcast. <laughs> Because she said she liked both of us, but she said, you know, she's really here for me. But then, you know, you came with the package. So I just wanted to tell you that I took that part that out seemed unnecessary. to make you feel more comfortable. And then you put it back in to make me feel less comfortable? I mean, I just wanted you to know that I was looking out <laughs> for your feelings. Look, I'm good with anybody who's here just for Fran. <laughs> I'm here just for Fran. It's fine. Okay, so I don't know anything about our recording equipment at home. So that is all you, Patrick. As far as the podcasting stuff goes, um, a simple handheld recorder works. Tascam DR40, you can get one for something like 150 bucks. Um, it's got uh, two input jacks. Get a couple of mics. The mics are probably going to cost you between 50 and 100 bucks for solid mics. And then you're good. That's it. That's pretty much all you need to get started. You can use GarageBand to edit. Adobe Audition is far, far superior if you're willing to put in the money. Yeah, um, and here's what's really great about um, Adobe products. I... Don't use Audition. Patrick does all of our editing, but I will. Well, not anymore. Now we have. Well, we you still do yeah. a fair amount. Well, I don't of want to give credit to the producers. Yes, who do a lot. Patrick does still do some of it. For example, all of our little corner intros, Patrick made those in Audition. Um, and uh, what's really nice about Adobe products is that you can do a monthly subscription. It used to be that you would have to shell out, you know, five or six hundred yeah, bucks for expensive. one product, but now what you can do is you can pay um, $19 a month for one product, or you can pay $50 a month, and you get access to the entire Adobe suite, and you can install it on more than one computer. Um, so we have one membership, and then Patrick can use Audition on his computer, and I can still use Photoshop and InDesign on my computer. So if that cost is prohibitive for you, you are getting a lot out of it, and you could possibly split it with a friend, and then they can use it on their computer, and you can use it on yours. 
um, or you know, you can give out the password to as many people as you want. <laughs> you can't. All, you can only be logged it's into just HBO two. Go. That's what it is. <laughs> it's Netflix. Um, you can only be logged into two uh, computers at a time. But it, you know, it's it's totally worth it. Um, and I use Adobe Premiere to edit my videos. So again, that Adobe Cloud subscription will be really great for that. Um, and then as for my cameras, I use a Canon T3i to film most of my vlogs at home. I love it. It's a little bit older, so you might be able to get it at a better price than if you buy a brand new one right now. I think they're at the T6 now, so it's mine's pretty old. But it's got a flip-out monitor, which I love, so you can see yourself. You can um, use a little wireless remote in order to stop and start your video camera, which is really great. Um, and then I also have a Sony NEX R100, I think is what it is. Um, it's like a little pocket camera. It's so great. It's HD. It takes beautiful pictures. Um, it's a little more expensive, but um, it's totally worth it. It's a great camera. It's got like image stabilization and it's really good in low light, which is awesome. So I'll also email this stuff to you. Um, and you can also tweet us if you ever need help with um, any of your tech stuff. We're more than happy to link you to what we use. Absolutely. And congratulations on taking the plunge. I'm yeah. sure you're going to do We great get this stuff. question a lot, too. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people who are, who are wading into podcasting, vlogging. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of like daunting because there are so many supplies out there. Um, but there's a lot of resources online to help you find the best tools. If you can't afford the ones that we have, at the end of the day, you can always start with something that's more affordable and then upgrade later on. I think just kind of jumping in head first and starting is almost more important than, you know, taking the time to get all of the best, most expensive equipment. Because if that's what you're going to do, it's going to just push you and you're never going to get started. So that's true. That's really good advice. Just do it. Work within your means. And if you're a student, you can use resources on school. Or if you're on a budget, you can buy used equipment. You can rent equipment. Um, there are lots of options out there if you want to start podcasting or making video content. So thank you for this week's listener letters. If you would like to reach out and have a question for us, you can do so by emailing us at lnbpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Florida man. Are you ready for Florida man? Ooh, you have a Florida I do. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, good, because I know. Are you ready? Uh, Yes. So if you're new to our podcast, Florida Man is a segment where one of us pulls headlines about Florida men or Florida women, including one fake headline, and then we have to guess which one is the fake headline. And we're not just crapping on Florida. We're actually both from Florida. And so this is us kind of poking fun at the fact that our home state has some weird stories coming out of it. And this week, Patrick's going to take over Florida Man because I drop the ball, as usual, and don't have uh, my shit together. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I picked up the ball. Here's your Florida Man. You ready? Yes. Number one, Florida woman tells cops she has no idea how drugs got into her vagina. Mm, that Num- sounds very plausible. <laughs> Number two, Florida woman tells child she'll eat his brains with fava beans after they watch Silence of the Lambs together. Child brings successful lawsuit for emotional distress. Oh, my God. Number three, Florida man bursts into ex's delivery room, fights new boyfriend while ex-girlfriend gives birth. Okay. And number four, Florida man gets banned from ordering pizza after making too many prank phone calls. That's judge-ordered, banned from ordering pizzas. Okay, I'm going to say the... Silence of the Lambs one is fake. That's good. Okay, yeah, you know me. You know me. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. fake? Yeah, you got it. Yes! Nice work. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. I kind of used what you accidentally revealed last time we recorded, that if the headline is too long, that oh. was a long headline, babe. That's true, but I couldn't, I couldn't condense that down anymore. Yeah, you shouldn't put the Silence of the Lambs part in there. Oh, that's true. That's and then true. They wouldn't also, have put those details in there for a headline. No, they no. really wouldn't. Well, so. you did it. So good job. Congratulations. <laughs> you and Florida Man. What's the prize this week? 
There's never a prize. There's never a prize. <laughs> <laughs> Just bragging rights. That's it. There's there's really no upshot to being a Florida man. I know. I, that's what that's what these have taught us. The stories are always so bad. Oh, you know what? Um, I just learned that the Cash Me Outside girl is from Boynton Beach. Oh, which really? Of Shocker. course she would be, right? And I posted that on Facebook, and one of my friends from back home was like. She could have been from everywhere. It's not just Florida. And I was like, listen, girl, I'm from Florida. I'm allowed to laugh at the fact that this girl who's gone viral for just being a mess is also from Florida. Like, it could be from anywhere. It's just one of those, like, oh, God. Every single time I see a terrible story, I think, I hope they're not black, and I hope they're not from Florida. <laughs> and it's usually one or both. So, you know, like, oh. this is just my life. <laughs> if you would like to send us a Florida man or Florida woman story, or maybe you just want to let us know what you thought of this week's episode, you can go ahead and tweet us using the hashtag last name basis, or you can tweet us individually at Cheska Lee. A tie optional. And yes, we will um, respond to your tweets, especially if it's one dragging Patrick and saying how much you like me. That's more one than way to him. get on the podcast. Yeah. is to is to trash talk me. Just let me know how you feel. And to support Brad. I don't have a slanguage we. I haven't had one in so long. So please tweet us. Don't tweet us. Just tweet me so that I can have a great slang word to quiz Patrick on for our next episode. Sounds good. I'm Francesca. I'm Patrick. And this was Last Name Basis from Brick Radio.